time to do it, boys. We're back. All right. GPS to God. We're going to start with some business here, have a script and everything. We need your help. We are glad you are, you are here to listen, but we need your help. We need you to go to the GPS to God YouTube channel and make sure you hit the red subscribe button. If you've already subscribed, thank you, but we need some more help. We need more of you to subscribe. We need to get to 100. That's the magic number. 100 subscribers. And once we do that, we get our own unique YouTube address. We announced last week that once we reach 100 subscribers, we are going to pick five people to receive a gift card and a grand prize winner will get to be on this podcast for good, bad, or or, uh, indifferent. Leave a comment on one of the videos, and we will pick from those winners um, that subscribe. That's where we will pick the five winners, six winners from. And if you want to receive notifications, when new videos are published, make sure you hit the notification bell. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you leave us a good rating. That will help us with our visibility, and you, your friends, your family, and others can find us. We're on Spotify if that's how you want to listen. And you can get in touch with us by email at podcast at parkwaybc.net podcast at parkwaybc.net and we're going to start with an email we have fans what we have fans and fans are emailing in y'all are moving up in the world we are so we have a uh, uh, concerned listener that emailed in okay okay and here's what the email says i hesitate to even ask because i'm sure ryan hasn't seen any movies in this list but they're asking for the best sports movie they asked what my opinion and fano's opinion but since fano's not here we're going to skip that I, can, I could probably answer for well we'll let so we yeah. have we have sitting in with us in fano's place is mr brandon shanks so we'll let him he's a sports fan he couldn't wait to be the you know the lucky number six person when the hundred subscribers he's like let me on now that's right that's so, exactly so, right. so we'll yeah we'll let you just take Fano's place in this and okay. we we have mr herson elias 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 with us herson do you are you a sports fan yes i am well you you can there chime in too so ryan here he's been getting um Blasted, belittled, uh, a lot. <laughs> I, I don't know what other adjectives we can. But on on the podcast, we talk about movies he has and has not seen, and he has not seen a lot. There's quite a, quite a few movies that I have not seen. So, so he kind of that's that's not every week, but close to every week. That's the the fallback um, the, theme that we come back yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. Anytime we we kind of get stuck on what to talk about, we just what movie hasn't Ryan seen? Yeah, yeah. Kind of all of them. Thing. But, kind of the go-to there, uh, right? But this is—it's kind of a lot. I think ten or eleven movies on this list. But um, we're gonna put like no next to each of them. <laughs> since since the fan, hey, the fans, right in. We right. gotta appease the fans here. All right. So these are all sports movies. Okay. Hoosiers. Mm-mm. Not old seen one. Hoosiers. Nope. That's an old one. Oldie but goodie. That is yeah. an, an old one. I want this email because I'm probably gonna watch them. I'll go back and... You haven't even watched the movies I brought you yet. You watched <laughs> a couple two, of them. two of them? Three of them. Three of them? Yeah. Oh, three of them. Okay, yeah. yeah. You did watch the top three that we told yeah. you to watch. So. Blue Chips. Now, I will say Blue Chips is a B movie, maybe. I don't know. So, Blue Chips is uh early to mid-90s basketball movie. Nick Nolte is the coach. It has Shaquille O'Neal in it and uh, Penny Hardaway. He recruits them to. Uh, I have not uh, seen this movie, by the way. So 
like uh, a college in Louisiana or somewhere like that. And he, gotcha. he he's a by the book coach, and he breaks his own rules to get okay. these guys in. But it's hmm. a, it's like a TBS movie or something now. When did these? Hold on. When was that movie come out? When, Blue, when did Blue it come Chips? Out? Yeah, uh, that you was early nineties. Early to mid nineties. Man, I'm outside. I'm like ten, eleven, something like that, probably. Like I'm outside playing. I ain't watching movies. The good thing about movies is, <laughs> come on now, they don't disappear when someone watches them. You can still watch them today. Yeah, maybe. Yes. So that's who, a good one. You need to watch that one. Hoosiers is older. Yeah. Hoosiers is older. What do you know when about when that might have come out? No, I'm thinking mid '80s. Yeah, it's set in like the '60s though, or yes, something. It was, yeah. yeah, The Natural. No, that's a baseball movie. It is, is a baseball it? movie. He makes his own bat, right? That's the one yes, where he, he makes does. his own bat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Field of Dreams. I have. Yes, I've seen that. that is, hold on. Uh-oh. Kevin Costner? Yes. Yeah, yes. Okay, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that one. And they're going to be playing a baseball game. If you build it, yeah. At the, they will come. They will that's come. right. That's, that's right. So they were supposed to have that game last year, right, in Field of Dreams, and they decided not to do it. Is that right? I don't know. I cannot remember that. I feel like they If were, it was last year, they didn't do it. Right, true. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I think they canceled it, but it was supposed to be like maybe the Yankees and the White Sox, I think it was supposed to be. I believe you're correct. So. Yeah. That'll be a cool game to see. How big is that field? I want like, how big's the outfield? Like, where's the corn start? I don't even uh, like when major league teams not hit everything like in the aerial corn? views of it that I've seen. There's not even a, f- a fence. I don't think. I think it's just corn. Right, like the yeah. movie. So, yeah, so are they gonna have to put a? They're gonna have to put like a fence up. Right. Like, I assume that's what they were gonna do. There's like only like eight thousand. It, it wouldn't be a, can actually oh, be there. It'd be like a scrimmage or something, right? No, or was I, it going to no, be a I real think it's game? Like a I legit think it was, game. Uh, it was going to be a really? regular Count season for the game. Standing. Wow, that's crazy. I imagine only having like eight to ten thousand people there watching the game. Now that would be good. I would like that part. <laughs> so, replacements. Yes, I feel like I have seen that. That's a football movie, isn't it? It is. That's the one with um. Oh, I can't think of his name. Neo. Oh yeah. Um. Well, I got it. Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's Good two. job, Ryan. Two out of there five. That's yeah. that's above his batting average. <laughs> yes. Major League. Yes, I have seen that one. That yeah. one's Moneyball. I have seen that one too. Yeah, that's another Keanu Reeves, right? No. No. No, no, no. Hold on. Which one's Keanu it, it's Reeves his with cousin, Brad um, Pitt. Brad Pitt's in Moneyball. Moneyball. Okay, so that's the one with the um, Oakland Athletics, right? Yes. Okay, what am I thinking of? I have no yeah, idea. I'm thinking of the movie Keanu Reeves where he's um, – uh, he picks up like a kids baseball team. That, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. In the, uh, it's like community is, service or yes, something. He but, has to do. Yeah, yeah. What yeah. is the name of that movie? I don't know, but I don't think Moneyball should be considered for one of the best sports movies. Oh, absolutely not. Coach Carter. Yeah, yeah, I have seen Again, that. One. That should not be on the best sports movies. Remember <laughs> the Titans. I have seen that. Sandlot. I have seen that. White men can't jump. So I don't think I've seen. All of it, but I have seen quite a few clips of it. So Should that be considered one of the best sports movies? Probably ever? not one of the best, but I really I enjoy cli- that movie. <laughs> yeah. I, I see clips like all it. the time on like Facebook, like little quick videos of it or whatever. So I have seen quite a bit of it. I feel like, but like so from yeah. this list, that would be in my top three. Like if you had to pick three movies to watch, that'd be one of them. Just yeah. But I couldn't watch it with my kids. Though. Like, oh no, not no. yet. Yeah, no. My daughter maybe, but. Yeah, it should be okay. Yeah. 
my this son whole, this Carter. whole podcast I'm gonna think about the Keanu Reeves baseball yeah. movie because I can't think of what it is. Well, that's that's good. So, someone's listening to this right now, going, "I know what it is. Just say it." Yeah. So they'll tell Cause, you because the little the the kid that pitched sang a uh, uh, song in that like anytime he got up to pitch he'd sing the same song. Uh-huh. And yep. He one of them got shot at the end. Spoiler. Yeah. Yes. Spoiler alert. The movie came out like what, early 2000s? Oh, yeah. It's been out a while. (laughs) Maybe before then. Yeah. But, uh, so yeah, we got emails. So send us emails. We will read them on the air. We'll we'll talk about what you want to talk about. And we also uh, got a gift. It arrives tomorrow. So we talk about food. Pretty excited about this one. Crazy food that we've eaten, which is something we'll talk with Hersan in a minute as well. But, um, we talked about, you know, things that Ryan and Stefano and I have eaten, would eat, would not eat. And so we have a package that arrives tomorrow of kangaroo burgers. Mm-hmm. I'm and, excited about that one. And ostrich burgers. Who would, have not had either one. Would, would you try one of If we oh. grilled them up, would you try? Absolutely. Not, add another menu to the party. See? Absolutely. I'm already kicking out Stefano. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stefano looked at me and went, mm-mm, oh, well. mm-mm, I'm done. He says he's a picky eater, though. Yeah. But he's not having to pay for this, so I think he would try it because he's not paying for it. He'll try anything for free. Well, that was, one of so. his, that was one of his arguments of, I don't want to pay for something, and I might exactly. not like it, and then I'm hungry or got to spend more money and that kind of stuff. So, Stefano, you gotta want, you got to eat it. you got to yeah. try it. Oh, yeah. he's, it's going to happen. Absolutely. Yeah. So. We we have Mr. Herzon Elias with it, and he's going to talk, um, share with us a little bit of his story and um, uh, his family story and where he's come from and and uh, how they came to America and things that they do now, ministries they have, and all kinds of fun stuff like that. So thank you for, for agreeing to be here. Well, it's my pleasure to be here, and thank you for having me. Well, we, we, we appreciate it. And, and I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Um, I'm going to ask uh, everybody to not pay attention to my accent. Oh, that, <laughs> we love it. We love yeah. it. Keep it coming. I'm sorry about my broken English. No, no. I'll try my best. No, it, we love it. It's going to be great, and it, it will probably be one of the best episodes that we've had. Rico, you know Rico. Yes. He was on I saw that one. our first yeah. episode, and yeah. everyone loved it. I think we said in that most Americans like accent like they like to hear a foreign accent they think it's cool and i'm that's very stereotypical statement on my part but i think it's it's pretty true most people like to hear that accent i don't know if uh, that's true in other places it's about the same with uh with us who our primary language is spanish there's a lot of different accents uh even in the same language right if you are talking with somebody from spain their accent is completely different. And if you talk to somebody from Argentina or Chile or whatever country, it's different. So I'm always intrigued, too, by uh, by different accents. So it's, it's about the same on every language. Mm-hmm. So that stereotype is correct. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But, so, Hersan, why don't you tell us a little bit about where you are from and where your family is from and how you grew up a little bit? Well, I'm from Guatemala. Uh, I'm not going to say Sometimes we, we make fun of ourselves. Like I like to say I'm a watermelon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> because it's supposed to be watermelon. Yeah. We say watermelon, but it's kind of 
just to make fun of us. Right. And so I'm from Guatemala. I was born in 1975 from a very, very small town. <clears throat> from Maybe from what I can remember, I think 700 will be a big number. It was probably less than 700 people. And when I grew up, we grew up without electricity. So I don't know if you can relate to that, growing up without electricity. But we didn't didn't get electricity until I was like seven or eight. Wow. And uh, How how many people were in your family, Uh, brothers, sisters? Well, mom and dad, and we're five. Four uh, men and one woman. So that was... uh, that was our family, and uh, yeah, it was very quiet after after six p.m. <laughs> very quiet and very dark. Yeah, yeah, sure. So in in Guatemala, um, what did your parents do? Did they work, or, or what was their career? Well, my uh, my family has always been farmers. Uh, my my uh, my dad was uh, a farmer. He had a job uh, in, a, in, in a in a agency, like a government agency and stuff like that. But he did that uh, during the weekdays. But he was dedicated to uh, to the farm. My grandparents they had farms, and uh, they own my my grandparents own a lot of land. So we always grew up working the land, and my dad had. Coffee beans and sugar cane and corn and that, cows and horses. And I, was I just had. just about to ask that question. Uh, yeah. what, what, do you, what is the main thing y'all did as far as growing? Yeah. Uh, so. We had our coffee beans. So every. When I came to America, I found out that you're not supposed to give coffee to little kids. <laughs> <laughs> but my mom gave us coffee with a spoon when we were babies. So I don't know. It's just, I don't know if it's just in America, but anywhere else in the world, we drink coffee since we were babies. So we, my dad uh, had coffee and sugar cane and corn and oranges and, and everything. And uh, cows, cows, horses. Uh, that's, that was basically uh, what my family was dedicated to. And my dad is kind of a hero in my town because he uh, elevated uh, my small town to a municipality. And okay. he's kind of like the George Washington <laughs> in okay. my little town. And after that, he was a major uh, in my town. And he's done, my dad did a lot of things to bring up our mo- small town into a medium city. So he's, he's very quiet, but he's, uh, he's an awesome man. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. So, Brandon, you've been to Brazil. I've correct? been to Brazil twice and Peru twice. So he is, you are correct, Hassan. The The coffee down there is just fabulous. So, and I can remember going into little towns, not of 700, uh, five or six thousand, and all the all the dads, all the grandfathers. That's all they did was work. And so I'm sure in your case, that's all that your dad did is he just worked all the time. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I've been working my whole life. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I I I've been working ever since I I can remember because uh, I am the firstborn in my family, 
So my sister is the fourth in the line. So there was no uh, nobody to go to the store and get things for mom. So I was always going up, going to the store. And uh, every day when I woke up, I had to go milk the cows and a lot of farm work. And at the same time, I was going to school. Mm. Yeah. Now, we know you didn't have electricity, but did you have running water? Or did you have vehicles of any kind? Or, or what was the kind of the... There was public transportation from my town to Guatemala City, which is uh, Guatemala's uh, capital. It's about three hours, three hours away. On a bus. Yes. But back then, our roads were horrible, dirt roads. Now, you know, they're like the roads from, from here. But back then, it was, it was really hard because our rainy season starts in September. Sometimes in Guatemala, it rains for three months. No stopping, so dirt roads and mud and rain, and mm -hmm. it was hard. But, uh, yeah, the, we had no electricity. We had running water, but with problems, you know, it's not nothing, like, near. You, you cannot probably not even uh, comprehend what it's like because when you're living here in the United States, everything works perfectly. You know, right? The water never Most stops. Of the time. Yeah. Well, but <laughs> it, our, it, our, it's perfect for us. Our our broken <laughs> our brokenness in, in the U.S. is is still a luxury in other countries for sure. And we're just no doubt we're spoiled. The sad so. thing is we take it for granted. So, oh, of course, mm -hmm. yes, we do. Especially people who have not um, traveled the world uh, anywhere. Real, I mean, anywhere outside the U.S. I, I would exclude Canada. But, mm -hmm. you know, anywhere outside of that footprint of Canada and the U.S. is kind of drastically different in some ways. Now, other Western countries, uh, when you get to Europe and stuff, you know, it's still civilized, what we call civilized. But it's still different. You know, you still have the amenities, but it, it, it's different. But yeah, um, sure. So for people that may not be geography majors, can you kind of give us a, a, a snapshot of where Guatemala is Central America. So we are, you have the United States and then Mexico. United States and Mexico sh share a border. And Guatemala shares a border with Mexico in the south. Okay. So we are right next to Mexico. And what's what's the um, weather like there? Is it tropical? Is it, do you have different seasons? Winter, summer, small, small. Fall. Fall and spring. <laughs> we only have two seasons, and we call them uh, winter and summer. But winter for us is the rainy season, and summer is just like summer here where it's it's really hot. But there are Guatemala, it's a, it's a very mountainous country, so we have a lot of mountains, and we have, I think we have 29, 29 volcanoes, wow. and some of wow. them are active all the time. So... If you live in Guatemala, you can go, You, if you live like uh, in the middle of Guatemala, which is high up in the mountains, it could be cold, and it's cold all year long, but if you drive 30 minutes down the mountain, it's just like, it's hot. You're, you are in the coast, and it's, it just takes 30 minutes to go from really cold to really hot, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's like that all year long, but it's a mile, mile uh, we have some parts in Guatemala where you have to take your shirt off. It's just too hot. And some places where you need coats or you need layers because it's cold, and it's cold all year long. 
So we have different types of uh, climates and states like that every day of the year. But we only have two seasons. Uh, we call it winter, which is rain, and then summer when it's really hot. So you said the rainy season starts in September. How long does that last? It Four months. Four months. And sometimes it doesn't stop raining for weeks. Wow. Just like uh, uh, in Forrest Gump movie. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have every, you seen Forrest Gump? <laughs> yes, every, I've seen it multiple times. Every, yeah. every kind of rain every there is. Of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Growing up, you were a farmer. What did you do when you kind of got a little older? Um, and when did you come to the States? Well, uh, like I said, I, I always uh, was working, either helping my, my dad or my mom. And uh, one of the, uh, the great things that I can remember from my, my childhood is that where I grew up, there was a church right in front of my house. And uh, I started going to church uh, when I was maybe four four or five, because I just, had, I just had to walk like seven steps, and I, was, and I was at the church. Especially, I went to church when I was in trouble with my mom. And I, <laughs> <laughs> the church has always been like my hiding place, because I knew when I, got, when, when I had to go back home that I was, you know, that I did something wrong, and my mom was waiting for me. So I can remember those uh, revival nights. I was a little kid, and uh, I spent hours and hours and hours at the church, and my mom would send my brother Walter to get me. And Walter will be like, hey, mom wants you to be home. She's got cookies. And I, I knew what cookies were. <laughs> and, uh, we, and we call it a switch here. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And uh, I, uh, I gave my heart to the Lord when I was about seven. Uh, we had BBS. Uh, of course, our summer break in Guatemala, it's the, the break for school it starts in October. And we go back to school in January. So our, our Bible, uh, our BBS was in December. And I gave my, my heart to the Lord when I was a little kid. And the funny story was that when the pastor was preaching, because I, was, I, was, I didn't miss church, never. If, it, if they had a Wednesday night service or whatever, even ladies' services, I was there. I really, really loved uh, the church. And uh, every time the pastor was preaching, when he made the altar call, Guess who raised their, his hand? <laughs> and I probably raised my hand a hundred times. Every time, every time he asked, who wants to, you know, ask Jesus to come into their heart, my yeah. hand went up. And he was like, I know, Harrison, I know, <laughs> because I, I did it so many times. I don't know, maybe I was just a little kid and I didn't, you know, get an idea of exactly what I was doing. Mm -hmm. But I knew that I was giving my heart to Jesus and, uh, and I just wanted to make, I just wanted to be sure. So I probably did it a hundred times. Yeah. I've got a question. You said that um, that you had VBS there at your church. Now, did you have were there missionaries that came in and did the VBS, or did you have groups that came in from the United States or from any other countries that did the VBS for you guys? There's probably There was a couple of times where we had some missionaries, but most of our teachers on the different BBS classes were from our church, okay. ladies from our church. And, but we, also, we, we did have, uh, I remember uh, listening to some, uh, some preachers uh, preaching English 
mm-hmm. and a uh, few times, a okay. few times, and uh, that's you know I I grew up um, going to church, but one of the things that I can remember that I I always wanted to be in the army, and uh, that was always on my mind. Growing up, uh, or when I was a little kid, if somebody somebody was asking me, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I always told them that I wanted to be an officer in the Army. So that was always in my mind. And even even when I was a little kid, I told my, my dad and I told my mom that I wanted to go and study in a military school, and they didn't, they didn't like that. Mm. And uh, why, why didn't they like that? Because back then, uh, there was a guerrilla war in Guatemala. So we were... We were fighting uh, the communists. They wanted to take over the country, and they wanted to establish communism in Guatemala, the same style, the same thing that they did in Cuba and Nicaragua. So we had a war going on, and being in the army in those days was tough. I mean, it was really, really hard uh, because uh, there wasn't only discipline. There was uh, the the guys that were above you, you know, they they could do whatever they want to you. That mm-hmm. was that was like part of being in the army. So they knew how the army was and everything. So they they didn't like the idea that I wanted to go, but at the end, uh, I prevailed, mm-hmm. and uh, I ended up uh, going into a military school. So I left my town when I was twelve. Mm. And I moved to a big city, and uh, I got into the Army, the military school. At the age of 12? At the age of okay. 12, yeah. What were you, well, I mean, like, so your parents didn't like that you were wanting to do this, but, like, what was your parents' plan for you? Like, I mean, basically just to take over the farm or, you know, what, no, what was their they, goals for you? No, their plans, uh, they were for me to uh, study agriculture. Okay. So... I was going to go away from my from my from my house to yeah. uh, continue my my studies, but they wanted me to study uh, agriculture, but not not uh, not being in the military, not being right. in the army. And uh, I had two cousins that uh, they were already in the army, like they they went into the military school like four years before me. And I, I, I always kept looking at them, and I, I was always thinking I want to be like them. And uh, on TV, they also show, you know, back to the electricity thing. We got electricity when I was seven, so we got a TV, and you know, we had uh, TV now and everything. So they run spots on TV about you know the army and the military school and everything, and that's something that I really, really wanted to do. I felt like I was born to be in the army so that's why i went to uh start my career in the army when i was just a little kid is it common for or at that time for children to leave to to pursue a career or per, pursue education leave their families or yes or you no? had to because in our town uh you know we had elementary school like the the equal to elementary school so whenever you uh you, if you wanted to study something else, you had to look for ways to study in another town. So, yes, it was very, very common for kids to leave, uh, to leave home and to go uh, basically to live in a school 
uh, away from your family and everything. And uh, or if on on this on we call it secular in the army, you know, in the secular world, it was easy, but being in the army was hard because of uh, it was uh, just training, basically training and studying and everything, seven days a week. So you you go to school. You're 12 years old when you go to the military school. Mm-hmm. How long are you in school? And then when do you get out and actually be- become a professional soldier? I guess. Well, I I uh, I I, I was uh, in the school for six years, and I graduated as a, a second lieutenant. I think that's the equal mm-hmm. or on on the ranks right. on the U.S. Army. So I graduated when I was 18, mm. and uh, I was there for six years, which was uh, how long it took for, 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 a, for a student to graduate. And after that, you had to do a few more years to be actually like a, in service to, right. to the country. And that's, that's when everything stopped for me. Uh, I've got a question. A- Military school. So, did you live on campus there? Did yes. you have house parents that you stayed? No, with? we lived. We so lived you... in campus. Okay, and uh, we were there uh, every day. I mean, that's where we slept. It's just like like a soldier being in the army. Gotcha. You sleep there. You eat there. You everything. Okay. Yeah. So when when you graduate, what was your job in the army that you did? Did you have a specific job, or you just like a generalized soldier? No, when I graduated, uh, that's when my military career ended. Okay. I was born with, uh, with a problem. In, I have a physical uh, problem in my body. It's not nothing gross or anything, but uh, there's a rule in the Army in Guatemala that if you have flat feet, and you, can, you, can, uh, you can advance on your career. So that's, mm-hmm. that's where my uh, military career ended, and that was a, a, a big blow for me. And... Uh, because you'd, you'd wanted that your whole childhood. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <clears throat> that's, uh, that's one of the main reasons that I decided to, to come here to the United States because uh, I felt like uh, everything that I wanted to be or wanted to do just stopped. And uh, I kind of lost my, uh, my, my passion for, I wa- for yeah. what I wanted to do. And uh, the thing was that, you know, when I went, when I went to, uh, to the military school when I was 12, I was a Christian. You know, I, uh, I had the fear of the Lord in my heart. I knew the Bible. I knew that I was a Christian. I was 12 years old, but I knew that I was, you know, that Jesus was in my heart. And uh, being in the army in Guatemala is like a coin. It has two sides. So there is a good side about being in the army, which still helps helps me until uh, up until today. You know everything that I learn, the discipline and uh, everything. It's it's it was good, hmm. and it has it has carried me in very difficult times in my life, and that's one of the good things. I'm and and by the way, today is. Uh, June the thirtieth, and today is the National Day of the Army in Guatemala. So, wow! Yeah, that's but the thing was, when I went into the army, there's a good, you know, there's a good side about it, and then there's there's one that is really really bad. 
And uh, the one that is really, really bad is that uh, back in the day, today is different. The Army in Guatemala has suffered a lot of changes, good changes. But back in the day, if you were in the Army, uh, not only were you uh, a marching machine, you know, and you learned to uh, shoot, you know, with every kind of gun and training and everything, but there was also a lot of drinking. And uh, uh, I started drinking when I was 13. You know, I, uh, I remember my first two years in the Army, uh, my faith was really strong. And, uh, but I, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't have enough because I was away from my family, from my dad, from my mom, from the church, from everything. And it wasn't enough. And, uh, the peer pressure was really, really strong. Mm. So it was something that everybody was doing and they, they wanted you to do it. Sometimes they were forcing you to do it. And, uh, I became, I became basically, I became an addict. Mm. And I started drinking when I was 13 and I started smoking when I was 13. So it was forbidden in the army to smoke and to drink. Mm-hmm. And even though it was forbidden, everybody was doing it. And uh, the problem was that I liked it. When I, uh, when I started drinking at that age and I started smoking, I became, I became a different man. I forgot. Uh, I didn't forget because I knew that I was doing something wrong. I knew deep in my heart that I was sinning against the Lord. But uh, it kind of faded away. And uh, I can probably say that I stopped being a Christian because of all the things that I was doing. And I, I just became a different person. Uh, everything in my life changed really for the bad, for the worse sometimes. When I graduated, when I was 18, I was probably one of the most uh, horrible people that you can even, that you can even think of. The military, uh, being in the army, kind of my heart became like really hard. You know, I lost feelings and I lost uh, a lot of things and I became some, some kind of a macho man. You know, I was, uh, I was a drunk and I was, I was partying and I was, uh, uh, womanizing and I had, you know, women and, and I, you know, I had power and there, there was a lot of stuff that, that was happening in my life that was really, really bad. And uh, uh, my dad was not there. My mom uh, was not there. And uh, I, uh, I was so, it, it was so bad in my life that my, my uncles told my cousins that they could not be near me. Because I was such a bad influence in their lives. Wow. I was influencing them to drink and to smoke and to do a lot of things. And uh, so I graduated when I was 18. And uh, my military career ended because of what I said before. Mm -hmm. And I went back home. And uh, I was probably the worst son to ever come back home when I when I, when I had to go back home. I think uh, my mom graduated as a saint with me because she put up with me. We were playing soccer, you know, like in a Sunday, and uh, 
I had my uniform on. We went to play soccer in a tournament and everything. After the the uh, the game was over, we went back to the cantina, and we started drinking. And you're not gonna believe this, but it was midnight, and I was still in my soccer uniform. I hadn't I I didn't went home to change or to take a shower. I was just drinking with my buddies, mm. and. Uh, with with my uniform still on since since ten in the morning it was already midnight, mm. and we were just causing trouble in the streets and I was like a I was like a really bad show because I was fighting with other guys you know I was I was the kind of person where if you look at me I will be like what are you looking at <laughs> and, and and I was the first one to throw the first punch and you know I had uh, military training and everything I was really strong and. One night, I just I just remember that there, it, it it took about four or five guys just to uh, just to kind of uh, grab me because, and uh, my, our town was too small and everybody the the ladies and everybody they were at the doors in their homes just watching me and I was an embarrassment to my family and I was my mom crying and she's trying to get me to settle down and uh my mom and my sister and my my aunts they were just uh i, I was just making a uh, i was an embarrassment i was I, I was i was something that i i had no control over it and uh that was just that's that's what i became when my my military career was over i was so devastated and uh i had nothing else to do but to drink and to party and uh, going uh, to other towns and causing trouble and getting into fights and uh, not coming back home for days. And I was just uh, the most, uh, I was the worst son that a mother can have. You have this transition period. When when do you come to your senses or I don't know what a good term is but when do you make a life change and and come out of the the army's not going to work out and move on to the next phase of your life I had no I had no uh no dreams of of, of being some someone in life you know I was just I was just going day by day whatever the day brings if there's a chance that I could get drunk, I I will. That's that was the first thing that I was gonna do. I wasn't I wasn't planning on studying in a university because I thought that I was not gonna be a civilian. I was gonna be in the army forever. So I had no plans other than being in the army. Mm. So when that stopped, that really messed up my life because now I had nothing else to do except uh, cause trouble and and uh, and drink and uh, and not only was I a drunk I was also a fool because I had a motorcycle <laughs> and this ought to be good when you're drunk <laughs> yeah I mean it's hard to keep balance if you're walking but if you have a motorcycle and you're drunk then you're gonna be in a lot of trouble <laughs> so it's a miracle that I'm still alive one time, I was such a fool the one time we were coming from a from a soccer game in another town and my mom's sister my my aunt she was riding with me and I lost control of my bicycle and basically I just flew off the road into some rock somewhere and it was one of the worst crashes that I had 
and my aunt broke her arm. And so we had to take her to the hospital. And then we found out that she was pregnant. So not only was I going to kill myself, I was going to kill my aunt and the baby that she had. So I was a drunk and I was a fool and I was, and I, I thought that I was doing great things. You know, I thought that I was doing a, my macho man thing and, and girls were crazy about me. You know, they wanted to be with me and I was trying to impress the ladies and, uh, that's where the uh, riding the bulls come from. <laughs> oh yeah, we're 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 gonna get to that. We're gonna get to that. Yeah. So, not only not only I was doing that for myself, but I, I was doing that to impress women and you know to try to prove a point. In my town, you know, we're like a cowboy town where everybody you know wears a hat and cowboy boots and stuff. So there's a culture where you have to uh, you know kind of prove yourself that you are a, the man or somebody and nothing nothing better than to ride bulls you know right so that's something that i did too you know i basically did everything that you're not supposed to do and uh so after a year and a half with no uh, no prospects no plans no future or anything that's when uh my mom i think my mom had enough of me not in a not in a bad sense, but she wanted something different for me. It's not that she didn't want me around or anything, but she was worried about my future, and that's when she said uh, that she told me, basically, you're going to the United States. And uh, I said, okay. Hmm. When, I was, uh, when I came here, uh, I, I had in my mind a plan, and I said, this is going to stop. I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to stop doing all these things that I'm doing. And uh, I had a little, you know, a little strength, a little power in me. And it lasted for a couple of months. And then after that, I just, I just became worse than what I was in Guatemala because now I had dollars. You know, I had American money. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I uh, discovered the... Uh, the nightlife in Nashville. I've been living in Nashville my whole life, twenty six years. So when you came, when you left Guatemala, you came straight to Nashville. Yes, uh, my brother Walter was already living here. Okay. Okay. So okay. my I was, destination. I was wondering how that was. Yeah. So did you flew directly to here, or did you fly somewhere and then had to drive the rest uh, of the way? Or? To uh, when when I was coming here, my brother Walter was working in North Carolina. So there wasn't, uh, he wasn't here, basically. I mean, he wasn't at home. So I had to wait for him to come back home. So I went to Los Angeles and I was in Los Angeles for two months. And then after that, I came to Nashville and that's, and I've been living here for ever since. How long had he been here? How long had Walter been here when you came to the States? Here in Nashville, I, I think he probably was here for two years. And then before that, he lived in New Jersey for a year and a half or two years or something like that. So he was here three or four years before me. Okay. Yeah. So you mentioned being the cowboy. Let's talk about that a little bit. And we're going to put a picture on on the YouTube channel uh, of you during this episode of being a cowboy riding a bull so yeah. kind of can you talk about that because we're talking 
real life cowboy stuff. <laughs> That's we're, right. We're, we're not we're not talking, you know, cowboy boots and all had, all and, had no cattle. And, yeah, all had no cattle. Walking down Broadway in Nashville, kind of cowboys. We're talking real life cowboys. That is all downtown, right? All down Second Avenue. Yeah. The fake cowboys. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I see a lot of people wearing hats and cowboy boots and. I like I like to dress like that. I, I don't I don't normally use do it anymore, but if you go to my my hometown, everybody wears a hat, and everybody uh, has cowboy boots and the big belt and everything. And there's a culture in the, in my town about, you know, it's, it's it's not just a culture. It's it's a it's a it's a way of living. That's 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 how people live there. Because farming's pretty prevalent, correct? Yes, so it, it goes hand in hand. Right. You know, with uh, farming and and uh, and uh, making money, uh, selling cattle and raising cattle and doing that, it goes hand in hand. So you do, you kind of do those two things together. Okay. So you said you were doing the cowboy thing, kind of to prove your, excuse me, prove your manhood and and impress the ladies and stuff. What's what's some of the things that go into that? Being a cowboy in Guatemala. You mean when you're going to ride a bull? Yeah, whatever you want to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I started riding bulls about the same age when I started drinking. I probably started riding bulls when I was 13. And uh, uh, I had uh, friends older than me who were cowboys, who not only cowboys, but uh, they uh, they had a team. Uh a team like like a soccer team or a basketball team. We had a team of uh, riding bulls, so we went from town to town uh, during uh, the, the local fairs, and uh, we competed. It's it's a competition. So is it, is it kind of like the rodeos we see yes, here in yes, the states? Yes, N- not that professional, but uh, I think it's better <laughs> because right here is probably it, more dangerous. It's, yeah, yeah, it's it's more dangerous and it's more lively. You know, it's uh it's is the real. Is the real thing. Right here, there's money involved. Over there, you don't do it for money. If you win something, you win a trophy. So actually, I have a picture, too, that I can probably give, give to you, and you can show everybody where I'm, I'm, still, uh, I'm still 13 or 14, and I'm the youngest one, and we had two trophies that we won that day. So I got invited uh, to be a part of the team because they, they knew that I, what kind of uh, man that I was, that I, I was fearless. You know, I was, uh, I could do it. I thought I could do everything. You know, I was like, a, I could ride a motorcycle drunk and... Uh, I felt invisible. <laughs> and uh, nobody could uh, put up a fight with me. Uh, I was, I was, I don't know if it's a good thing, but I was... I was really good at fighting with other people and uh, doing shows basically in the street. <laughs> right. So they knew that I that I had that thing that you need to do that you need to have to actually go on top of a beast. Right. So I was invited to be a a member of that team and I started riding those the the bulls and when they decided that they didn't want to do that anymore, the team became my team. So I, I had my own team of uh, cowboys. Uh, we went uh, from town to town riding bulls and basically just uh, having fun and, and trying to score points with, uh, with the beautiful ladies. And uh, <laughs> they were, I mean, they were just uh, in awe when they saw you riding a bull. 
And the the only thing that you had to say after that was, hello, my name is Harrison. <laughs> <you know? laughs> because they... It's that simple, right? <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. I was the one on the bowl in case you missed it. Yes. <laughs> yes. And they knew. And uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. when you went uh, uh, after after the rodeo, when you went uh, take a shower and then you go to the dance on that night, you know, it was just, it was just easy. You know, it was just, mm-hmm. they, everybody knew who you were. Everybody knew that you were a bull rider and stuff, so there was a lot of respect, and hmm. sometimes in a good way, sometimes in a bad way. But it's a lot of uh, it's it's a lot of nerves. Uh, you know that you can lose your life, and there's actually when you see a, a rodeo here on TV, like the PVR, you know they they wear protection and everything. We right. didn't wear anything, so I saw some really really horrible. Uh, accidents like people breaking their arms and bulls stepping on their chest and uh, blood going everywhere and i mean you have to be tough uh just just to have that uh that passion to to ride a bull was something else and if you survive it that was that was that was that was very cool it was very awesome Mm -hmm. what happened after you came to the states uh i uh started working with my brother uh, doing what my brother was working in demolition back then uh we were doing asbestos removal which is kind of uh very uh uh and what what year was this that you came to the states i came here in 1995 95 okay. yes 1995 and i've been here 26 26 years so my first job was working with my brother walter and we were doing Asbestos demolition and lead paint removal still goes on because uh, there's a lot of asbestos here in the USA. Back <laughs> back in the day, they put a lot of asbestos in buildings, and sure. you know asbestos cause cancer and stuff like that. So you had to go to school and get a license to be able to work in that. And I did that for for maybe four or five years. And uh, so. Were you were you still pursuing God at that time, or were you still kind of separated? I was as far away from God as you can think. Uh, when I came here, like I said, it got worse because now I was making more money mm-hmm. than what I was doing in Guatemala. I don't know how much, but I uh, I wasted I wasted so much money going going to Broadway, uh, to the honky tonks and. Just uh, just wasting my money and wasting my life away and mm-hmm. just getting in trouble. And uh, and my life was just going in the wrong direction. And uh, it became so bad that after a breakup with a girl, I, uh, I thought about taking my own life. Wow. So I descended into the worst uh, feelings that a, a human being can probably have. Mm. I think the lowest that you can go is when you try to kill yourself. And uh, after a breakup, I was thinking about it. And my life was just, I, I, I had a job, I had money, but I was so empty. After I came uh, from drinking and, and uh, went back to work on Monday, my soul was just, empty and I was just trying I was tired of the life that I was having I was it, it got to a point when I was just so sad and and so tired because 
it, it got a hold of me. And I, I could not control it. Uh, every time that I, wa- that I woke, up, woke up with a, with a hangover, and I always said, I'm never doing this again. This is not, this is not right. And, uh, and that same day, I was drunk again, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, well, well, I mean, uh, Harrison, sorry, I called you Walter. Sorry about that. But as you mentioned earlier in the, uh, as you were talking, it had control of you. You did not have control of yourself, yes. and and that's what alcohol. They'll tell you that, and it, it had control of your life, and you couldn't shake it. And so, and you tried your best, but then you went right back to it, right back to it, the, the same day, the same day, yes, six hours later, you're yes. doing the same exact yeah, exact thing. So it had control of you, yes. And uh, in in the year 1999, uh, one of the uh, uh, the uh, the ladies that uh, was she was a secretary in the company that I was working for the company headquarters was in Franklin and she was a secretary there and she was uh, she was a member of a Hispanic church and uh, she invited my brother Walter to come to church so Walter went to church and he gave his life to Jesus and after that she invited me. And at the same time, my brother Walter was also inviting me. And I went to church because I had a business too. I had a, I, I had a business of uh, like, a, like a FedEx or like a UPS on sending, sending uh, stuff to Guatemala. Uh, you could send boxes on every shapes and sizes and stuff. And uh, that was, uh, I, was I, I had that business going on for me. So the reason why I went to church is because I wanted clients. <laughs> and the right. first time, the first time that I went to church, I was drunk, and uh, I don't know why, but I I decided to go back the next the next Sunday, and uh, maybe three or four Sundays uh, I went three or four Sundays on a row, until I rededicated my life to Jesus. Mm. Wow, that was in the year nineteen ninety nine. That day. I stopped drinking. Mm. And that day, I stopped smoking. That day, I gave up everything without any effort. Mm. I was just free. I am, I don't know, some people, some people probably go through a different process. But my process was the Lord break those chains in an instant. That day when I rededicated my life to the Lord, I went back home and I felt clean inside. Mm. Since that day, it's been 20 years, 21 years. I haven't, I haven't had a drink of alcohol. I haven't had one beer. Mm. In over 20 years, I haven't had a cigarette. Wow. And uh, it, it just happened in an instant. Wow. And I know that it's not the same process for everybody, but that's that's part of my testimony. When you were talking, it kind of, in my head, I heard you had money. You know, when you came to the States, you had more money than you had in your entire life probably. You were had all these things, alcohol, cigarettes, women, uh, nightlife, social life, all that kind of stuff, but none of that was filling 
the emptiness that you had inside yes. and nothing was giving you the joy and the completion of this fulfills me this fulfills my life this fulfills my soul yeah. you had all these things but nothing to, something to was feel missing complete you had a big yes. missing piece out of your something heart something was missing and i knew what it was and uh the the, the problem was that i didn't want to face it because I, when I was doing everything that I did, I could always remember that day when I was going to church when I was a little kid, and the Bible verses that I learned, and my teachers that were teaching me the Bible, and all those nights when I was hiding from my mom, and I was uh, <laughs> just uh, in church and service and everything, and uh, I, 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 I always kept thinking about that, and uh until that day, and I decided to uh, start uh, reading the Bible again. And I, I am a firm believer on what the Bible says. The Bible says in John eight thirty six. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free mm-hmm. indeed. Mm-hmm. And I was a slave to everything that the world has to offer. And I can tell you. And I can tell everybody who's listening to this that the Lord freed me in an instant, in a day. Mm-hmm. And the, my testimony is, is that when I went back home that day, I knew something had happened inside of me, but, but I still had the same friends. Mm-hmm. So when I went back home and we were living here in Madison and uh, my home was the uh, the 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 place where everybody gathered to drink. So all my friends knew where I lived because there was always booze. There was always women. There, were, there, there, were, there was always everything. So my friends were with me, and I had a football team, a soccer team too. That I, I was the owner of the soccer team, so I had a lot of friends, and, uh, and they were testing me. Mm. It was funny because I told them, I'm not going to drink anymore. And they were laughing they because started. they started laughing because what <laughs> you're the you're the one who buys the beer how how are you gonna stop drinking and i said i'm not I'm not gonna drink anymore last night was my my last uh uh night mm. and I'm not gonna smoke anymore so for three months they they will light up a cigarette and they will they will go like this mm-hmm. they put the cigarette in my mouth and they were right. like, "Go ahead." Go ahead, and they will they will open up a beer can, and they will Peer come pressure. on, come on. Mm-hmm. And uh, after three months, they gave up mm. because they saw that what I was telling them was real. Mm. Yeah. That uh, I told them I gave my life to Jesus, and I'm not the same man. I'm not. I'm a different person now. And no matter what you do, I'm not gonna drink, and I'm not, I'm not gonna smoke, and I'm not gonna do all these things. Uh, the Lord has uh, changed my life, and I'm going to dedicate my life to, to serving Him. And uh, since that day in 1999, mm. I've been free. I haven't had one single beer, not even a sip. I haven't had a smoke. Uh, I don't know if this is too radical, but I, I think that as Christians, we don't have to be under the influence of any substance because I believe in the power of 
of the Word of God, and I believe that Jesus is powerful and He wants us to be free. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. So you you have this drastic change. You give your life really for the first time as an adult over to Jesus. What do you what what changes for you? Other than, we know you've quit drinking and all that kind of stuff, but how do you get from from that point in 1999 to where you are, are today? And some of the highlights that we know of, um, share that a little bit with the people listening. Yes, uh, I became uh, I became very hungry for the Bible, so I started reading the Bible, and uh, I'm not gonna boast uh, about my myself but uh i've read the bible throughout i don't know how many how many times and and uh, because i fell in love with the word of god so i started i started uh studying and uh, i went to uh in 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 the church where i was going to they had a bible college so i started going to bible college and i graduated and after that i I uh, kept on going with my uh, my studies, and I got a bachelor's in uh, theology. And uh, I, be, uh, in the church where I was going to, uh, they hired me to be a member of uh, the staff at the church. And uh, was this the same Hispanic church? Yes, it's the same. I only been in two churches since I rededicated my life to Jesus. The church where I was going to before and then Parkway. Mm. And uh, so I kept uh, studying the Bible. I uh, had a lot of years studying theology and I graduated and I became uh, the assistant pastor in that church. And I served uh, in the church for for many, many years. And uh, the Lord uh, opened a lot of uh, opportunities for me and uh i went to preach in different states i went i i i preach the gospel in from florida to illinois uh in many uh hispanic churches and uh, uh i i made a decision that day when i rededicated my life to jesus that i was going to serve him and he has been so good to me and uh uh he uh it's through his power that we serve him it's not because we want to but because he gives us the power to do it and uh, he has given me the power to to serve him in many areas in in the ministry for for many many years and everything that the lord has open up for me, I do it uh, because it's the least that I can do. Jesus forgave one of the worst sinners that you can probably think of. I did so many things that I cannot talk on the air, but I'm very ashamed of those things that I did. It was very, very bad, and I cannot stop serving the Lord for the love and the mercy that he showed me. He rescued me from from the lowest point, from the lowest, the, the low that you can 
you can go to. One of the big things that you do here for, for our church and a ministry that we have is ESL. Can you talk a little bit about that and how really you all um, started that here? So can you talk a little bit about that? And everything's different because of COVID, <laughs> but in a normal setting, how that has impacted the community around Parkway. Yes, when I uh, when I came to church, brother Joe, sister Yvonne, and my brother Walter, they had just uh, they had the uh, Pan de Vida, our Sunday school class. They had just uh, started before before I came to Parkway five years ago, and when I came here, I became a member of Pan of Pan de Vida, of of course after becoming a member of Parkway, and after a few months, uh, I think they saw that I was uh, uh, that I that I. You know, they probably saw my decision that I I wanted to serve, and they invited me to be a part of the uh, of the teachers. So we have three teachers in our Sunday school class: Brother Joe, my brother Walter, and me. And then uh, I saw that my mom and my dad were coming to church, and I wanted to translate for them. I wanted because they don't speak English, so they they are members of Parkway, and. Uh, they were they were coming to church but they left the same way they came because they didn't understand anything mm-hmm. so i was thinking how can i translate for them and then i uh, i uh, spoke with brother joe and i said brother joe let's figure out a way where where i can translate i i feel that like that i can do it i feel that if the pra- the pastor is preaching brother ken you know brother ken was really methodical in his preaching you know he was very slow it was very very uh (laughs) easy it was so easy to translate for him and not only that he wrote his sermons every word every word and he gave me a copy uh, before the service wow so it was kind of easy for me because i was listening to him but i was also reading you mm-hmm. know his sermons it's, it's not the same brother matt don't i hope, <laughs> I hope he doesn't get mad at me <laughs> brother matt uh, he gives me notes uh-huh. but brother ken gave me the sermon every word and he stuck to his writings he never went off never and uh Both both of those facts are amazing (laughs) that you could translate because I am amazed by you, but any translator, I'm I'm amazed. So that's that's one amazing fact. Amazing fact number two is that Brother Ken never deviates. That's hard to not miss a word like that. I mean, you memorize. I think he has a, a, I don't know if he has a photogenic memory, whatever the right term is, but I think he's close because well, to, do, to do two services and be identical both of them and you know just bam bam bam. And I don't know I don't know if he, he remembers names as well. Yeah. Like it's he's he it doesn't matter yeah. if he's met you one time ten years ago he knows your name. That's yes. crazy. Right. And yes, I don't know does. if people know but uh, he uh, I read his sermons because he gave me a copy before every service when I was going to translate and it was it was a book. I mean, because he wrote every word, and he never got off track. Never. <laughs> That's crazy. Wow. Was, I was just following him, just listening and reading, and it was just perfect up until the last word. Mm. It was. Uh, it was very. I, I. I had. I had a great, great time, just like br- Brother Matt. Mm-hmm. For me, it's just. Uh, it's the least that I can do, and. Uh, 
Uh, we came up with the idea because of my mom and my dad. We wanted uh, to translate for them, so we spoke with uh, Brother Ken, and uh, he, I don't know, he spoke with somebody else, and then we finally got some uh, a piece of equipment that works with an app on your phone, so you all, the only thing that you have to do is download the app on your phone, and you get connected with a, with a signal in the church, like a Wi-Fi, mm-hmm. and that's it. Hersan translates our Sunday morning worship services into Spanish through the app that he's talking about. When you hear that, so let me start with this. Have you ever done any translating before that? No, I I have never translated from English to Spanish. I have preached in Spanish where I had somebody translated to English, Mm -hmm. but not, not me. I mean, I will be the preacher and I will have somebody right beside me. So I will say a few words and then stop, and then he will translate to English, but never the other way around. Did you know English before you came to America? I knew a little bit from... uh, It's actually very funny because uh, even though I am from uh, Guatemala, which is a a Latino country, I never liked music in Spanish. (laughs) So... Since I was a little kid, I was always listening to music in English. Wow. I could give you a few names of a few bands. <laughs> maybe maybe you're not going to like it, but Guns N' Roses was one of my favorite okay. bands. There we go. Def Leppard. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know it's if you It's also re- the era you grew up in. Too. Yes. That was the popular music right. of the day. Right. Yeah, so and, sure. and that's probably the best music ever. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean... W- Talking about generations, you know, right. music nowadays is just, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if you can call it music. What, back, what are, what are your then, peers doing, back Ryan? Then, back then it was music. So. <laughs> I don't know if you that remember young. that they came up with cassettes, uh-huh. and the cassettes had like like a little book inside, and uh, it had all the songs. So me and my friends, when I was in the Army in our downtime, mm-hmm. we would always uh, listen uh, to, uh, let's say, uh, November Rain, and we will take the book and translate every word into Spanish. Wow. So we will learn awesome. uh, the songs by heart, and we will also do the translation by reading the little book. So, yes, I... I uh, That's pretty awesome. I, uh, yeah. I, I knew a little bit of English. Yeah. So translating now, was that an easy process, a hard process? Because I... I'm amazed at the mental part, the mental focus, and, and hearing well, I, one one thing and spitting out another thing. Well, that's what I was going to say, too, because, you know, most translators, they hear a section of what they're saying, they stop, and then you translate, or the mm-hmm. person's translating, and then you what you what amazes me, what, what you do, that I've never seen before, is that you pretty much translate the same time they're saying it. In you real might, time. You might be a second delay because obviously you have to hear it. Yeah. But you're hearing it. You're saying it almost at the same time. And, and that how, amazes me. I, c- I could never do uh, that. How you hard ought, is You ought that? to stand out there and listen to him one time. It's it's, oh, it's pretty awesome. I, I hear him, but I don't know if it's right or not. He could be saying <laughs> – yeah. he, he could be reading the, the, yeah, brother the, Mark, the cassette book again. Brother I, Matt I is you. preaching from uh, James, and I'm I'm talking about Revelation. He never knows. He's saying his own message over there. He's like, this yeah. is what I want to talk about. That is true. <laughs> no, but there's, there's multiple this. times where I'm sitting there, I'm looking back at you through the, through the glass, and I'm like – how are you doing this? This is ridiculous. Yeah. But also the way English is not 
what's what's the right term literary term you know the conjugation or whatever of english is not the right. same as spanish well that's true so you know the way we would say it right the words are in different places maybe yes uh you you cannot translate literally because it doesn't make sense so sometimes brother matt will use some words uh, that I cannot translate literally because it doesn't make sense in Spanish. So at the same time, I don't have any time to, to, to think it, but I have to be ready and have like a figure of what he is trying to say. And uh, I believe that it's only possible because of the grace of God, mm-hmm. because yeah. it's, Amen. to me, it's not hard. It just comes so easy. Because I love to do it. Uh, I believe that is uh, Brother Matt's messages are really good. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's a, it's a big privilege to translate his messages. And I know that it's been a blessing not only for me, because I listen in English and I also listen in Spanish, but it's been a blessing for other people. And uh, Brother Alan, uh, he does the YouTube video too with my voiceover. And it ble- is blessing people in YouTube and the people who speak Spanish in our congregation. So for me, it's uh, it's 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 very easy for me to do it because I love to do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, how I don't know how <laughs> I I cannot explain <laughs> it. It's uh, but it it comes easy. Sure. Yes. Well, for those that may want to listen to those um, translated messages, you can find those on the YouTube channel of Parkway. That's Parkway Baptist Goodlettsville. And you will see those weekly sermons translated into Spanish. And uh, Hersan, we want to thank you for coming here today. It's yeah, been definitely. awesome. And I know you have plenty more stories of of Army times and Cowboy times and all that that we'll, we'll get into maybe the next time. But um, we we asked Hersan to finish us off today with, with a Bible verse. So fire away. Yes, this is my, uh, this is my favorite Christmas verse and it doesn't have anything to do with uh with the story of christmas but uh it tells the reason why jesus came mm-hmm. and it's in first timothy 115 here's here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance christ jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom i am the worst mm. so here the Bible tells us why Jesus came. Now, some people believe that Jesus came to make them famous mm. or to make them wealthy or to make them whole. But Jesus came to save. Mm. And the Bible says here that he came to save sinners. But for me, the most uh, amazing thing is what Paul says on the last verses of this, on the last uh, words of this verse of whom I am the worst. So when I, when I tell my story, and uh, some details I have to leave out, because it, this, is, this is a family uh, show, and there are some things that I cannot tell, but uh, they were really, really bad. And when I think about my life, I am with Paul. I am one of the worst there has ever been in Guatemala, and here in the United States, too. Mm. And Jesus saved me. Mm. One of the worst 
that there ever was. Amen. There's no better way to go out than that. Doesn't Not. matter how you feel, you may feel like you're the worst. Jesus can can save you as well. So Absolutely. There's nothing to add. Person, thank you for coming. Thank you for listening to GPS the Guide. Make sure you catch us again next Monday with that new episode. Thank you guys. Thanks. Thank you. That's a real cowboy, fellas. That's right. That's a real cowboy. Man, thank you so much. We love your stories. Thank you for listening to GPS to God. Please leave us a rating on iTunes and also subscribe on YouTube and hit the bell if you'd like to receive notifications when new episodes air.